No ketchup. No ketchup. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Big Nick the Quick on the line. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm in Vegas. We're live in Vegas. <laughs> I'm not. Nick is in Chicago. <laughs> I'm in Vegas. Before we get into it, um, I want to say and send my condolences to Jacob Blake, his family, his kids. And really quick, I was thinking about the willpower and just the, the sheer strength that he is showing, I guess, and it's there's a lot of things to it, but to, to survive seven gunshots from point blank range is something like from from seeing the video and seeing how it went down yeah. is truly incredible. Um, the will to live is obviously there, and there's we know the list of names, right? And I'm I'm really eager. And that he's in stable condition from everything I've read. It seems like he's going to pull through. So um, that's awesome to hear. And I want to hear from him. I want to hear his side of the story because you don't get to hear his side of the story in a lot of these these nope. cases. The Like I would love to hear from like Sandra Bland. Like what, like what was going on in there? Like there's so many questions about that type of stuff. Um, the Eric Garner, we we kind of saw the whole thing happen, and I, I'm just interested to hear about you know his mind frame, his mindset, what was happening, why he was there in the first place, and um, I think we're going to get to hear that, and I think that'll be very impactful for the movement and um, just some of the non-believers to, to to hear directly from the man that it's going through it yeah. to say like how how real this is. So yeah, I wanted I to start the show off that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I know we won't get too deep in this. I don't know if ultimately it'll it'll change anybody's mind. I think, you know, if you are still <clears throat> if you're still on the fence at this point, you know, especially with the the heightened awareness over the last few months and all the different resources that are available to you, if you truly want to educate yourself on these topics and you've chosen to and you still are on the other side, I don't know if him talking is going to sway you one way or another. But to kind of your point, man, just you know, really overall hoping for a speedy recovery, uh, you know, hoping that he's all right. He can get back to his family, back to his kids, hoping, you know, those kids are all right. What a, what a traumatic experience for those children um, that they'll have to carry for the rest of their lives. So, you know, just my, my main thing is just, hey, let's make sure that, you know, again, he gets back okay. We get those those babies the help that they need to be able to process. Um, the mental side. Pro- of yeah, that. mental yeah. side of that because that can be very, uh, that will be, it's not even a can be, will be very, you know, um, emotionally damaging for them for the rest of their lives. So I'm just hoping that city of Kenosha, state of Wisconsin, whoever it is, gives those children the resources that they need and also gives him the medical support that he needs. And I don't want to see no bullshit about him passing away in the middle of the night. Um, Cause you already know what that is. So just hope he's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> bubble ball, playoff bubble ball, oh, bubble ball. <laughs> hey, wait. So let me ask you this, man. Did, did TJ Warren take his bubble MVP with him home last night? Is it, did, it, did it fly back to <laughs> did it fly back to India or, wherever, or Phoenix, wherever he lives? Or what, what? What is next for TJ Warren? I don't even think we should talk about NBA bubble ball. I just want to know what is next in the TJ Warren saga 
because I would hate to see such a unique talent be forgotten. You know what I mean? Maybe he's going to fly out to Phoenix, spend a few days with Devin Booker. They can refine their games of not making people better. And, you know, it's gonna, I don't know what's going to happen. Are you you're done? I'm finished. You finished? Yeah. Um, the Heat gives that boy a lot of trouble. Um, but NBA, NBA gives him a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, I still stand behind. He could be a very, very, very strong piece on the offensive end for a team going forward. I don't. He's a good scorer, I man. I, I, I was more just the overreaction is my whole thing. And I think, you know, once we came to the playoffs, we came back to life. I think he had one game of 20, another game of 14, one game of 20, another game of 12, which is pretty much the TJ Warren experience. And, you know, yeah, he's fine, man. He can score. It was more just like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Like, where's TJ Warren been? <laughs> like, he's been right here you know, the whole time. <laughs> so, obviously, we're going to talk NBA bubble ball. Man, we got the Lakers. They absolutely. There's blowouts and then there's blowouts. That was a blowout last night. Start off fifteen um, nothing. Yeah, yeah, and then they, it was it was the it was that way the whole way through. It was, it it was, was ten nothing, thirteen nothing. It was over with. Um, shout out Mamba. It was Kobe Day. Uh, eight twenty four. Rest in peace, Bean. So that um, sometimes that goes in your favor, you know, where it's like. We're going to win it for Kobe. And then other days you get distracted and some of those games don't go that way. But last night they took care of business. Um, so we'll talk Lakers. We'll talk Luka Doncic. This guy is something like I've never seen. I um, I don't even know what to say. I, I want to get into that and, and just kind of catch up because we haven't talked in a few days. So I want to talk about, you know, your thoughts, what he's been doing, Paul George, that series in general. And then – um. We're getting the riffraff out of the way in the East, and now we get into the big boys. Now we get into Milwaukee Heat. Now we get into Boston, Toronto. Um, we're going to talk about those series. Uh, a lot of hoops talk. Then Chicago locked on Bulls. Bulls outsider host Matt Peck is going to join us. We're going to talk Bulls and uh, anything else we want to squeeze in. We'll squeeze it in. Big Nick the Quick. What's happening, man? How's hoops? How's everything else? Um, I'm grinding away out here in Vegas. I've been playing a lot of poker. Um, Luca cost me some money the other night. We'll talk about that. But uh, what's the business, man? Just chilling, man. You know, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. With these all day NBA games, like if there's nothing to do starting at noon, there's association basketball available. <laughs> And I think that that has been just – it's been great. Obviously, it's going to start to slow down a little bit with the second round. But, man, just overall having that available, some of the games have been great. Obviously, there's been some duds. But, man, just I'm, I'm just loving this. I'm loving this format. I love it. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's every other day, the game, no no travel days. Like, I just love it. Yeah, it's great. Keep it, keep it rolling. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Has playoff – let's get right into it. Has playoff ball – lived up to the the hype does it feel the same and then let's just jump right into the lakers yeah i think so man i think you have pretty much everything you would want right you obviously you got your you got your blowout series like we knew orlando gave there's milwaukee a, a, hey, hey there's been a lot of blowouts right? yeah milwaukee orlando gave milwaukee a tough game one but that's going to be over soon um i don't think you know indy was going to be too much of a problem for miami um you know obviously toronto brooklyn you know how we feel about the toronto raptors you know how I feel about the Philadelphia 76ers. So to me, that was all chalk. 
Um, I think you got some compelling series. Obviously, we're going to talk about Dallas Clippers, right? That tied it to, and I really feel like that's any one series. Houston and OKC, which has been a great series. Um, you know, that one's tied at 2-2. Um, yeah, I mean, just overall, man, I, I don't know what else you could ask for. I yeah. feel like Denver's going to go down. That's going to be a huge knockout because no one saw Utah coming like that. Um, I, I really don't know what else you could ask for. I think Boston, Toronto in second round is going to be awesome. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready. Okay, so let's 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 get into the to the stuff you just laid out. For me, I'm still not on. I I left the Lakers bandwagon to go to the Clippers to win the title. I'm still there. Um, how do you feel well, about Paul, the Lakers? Apparently, win? Paul George isn't there with you, so. <laughs> No, pandemic P is actually brilliant (laughs) because he has been atrocious, bro. Terrible. He's been super bad. Um, where are you at with the Lakers? Um, I think that game one, right? I think that people have been wanting to hop off the Lakers bandwagon. It's the LeBron syndrome. People want to find a reason to go against LeBron James. Like, you just want to find any type of little chink in the armor that you can and hang on to it. And I think game one gave everybody that opportunity. How they played in the bubble to begin with gave everybody that opportunity. And then game one gave everybody that opportunity. All they've done since then is handle business. They're going to erase this team next game, right? Like, thank you for coming, Portland Trailblazers. Dame, it was a great run. I loved it. Like, I hope, you know, Adidas builds an entire marketing campaign around Dame this summer and, and does all that. That's great. Good for him. Um, but it is what it is, man. This series is going to end in five, like a lot of people had it. And they're going to go on to the next. And I don't see Houston or Oklahoma City. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm fine with the Lakers. I'm very comfortable with my two Lakers bets. I'll put it that way. Very comfortable, especially after last night. Like when they turn it on, like they were just walking all over these guys last night. They came out. They smacked them around. Dame couldn't score. The team couldn't score. Um, and we kind of knew that about Portland that, you know, they got some players, but overall it's, it's not all there, but I'm not worried about it, man. Uh, okay. the Lakers aren't perfect, but so I'm I've not had, worried about it. So look, so I've had some time to reflect on the whole situation with the Blazers, the Lakers, the Clippers, and this is where I'm at, right? The Blazers were pretty much an ass squad all year. Buns. They were terrible all year. Like we let's keep it one hundred. They, they, they were they were a playoff team. Yeah, they, yeah, they were bad, right? So we get to the bubble. They do what they have to do and get locked in. They get Nurkic back, which is a big piece for them on the offensive end. They get hot. They take care of business. And overall, even the teams that they were playing leading up to trying to get into the playoffs, they were still. I mean, Memphis is good, but they're an eight seed. They're playing the Pelicans, solid team. But it wasn't like these guys weren't going up against the cream of the crop, and they weren't beating up really good teams, right? So I don't even know. There's no explanation for what happened in game one against the Lakers. Um, they, they They were so hot coming in, and they took care of business in game one. Lakers weren't ready, didn't show up, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Lakers are beating up on a bad basketball team, and – the Blazers are tired. They've been at full throttle for a month straight now. Dame is tired. Now he's starting to get a little 
Now he's starting to get a little banged up. So they're beating up on a bad team, right? Um, so I'm not going to get too, too crazy about what the Lakers are doing to the Blazers because overall they're not very good. Now, I, let me let me save the the Clippers thing. I, I I'm just I'm still on the Clippers and still think they're overall a better team is because Dallas is a lot better than Portland, and the Clippers are going head up with those guys. With literally Pat Bev is out for the most part, and their second best player, quote unquote. I mean, you can you can even argue, but. With with Lou Will or whoever their second best player is, but overall and I mean, how no, their, their second best player is supposed to be Paul George. That's well, not supposed like, to, right. how, how, that is crazy that that's the point that we're at, right? Because five years ago it was is Paul George a top ten player, and now we're sitting here talking about is Paul George the second best player on the Clippers? Well, he he is, and he's structured not to yet. be, right? And he's playing really poorly. So I, what I was getting at was right now. You could argue not. that Lou Will is the second best player on the team right now, and, and Paul George is not. For sure. Um, but they're structured to be Kawhi one, Paul George two. Paul George is an absolute zero right now. And on top of that, the Mavericks are going berserk on offense in these stretches, <clears throat> and the Clippers are still right at the at the at the end of the game to, at the at the end of the game to win it. Right. So I think that's why. I'm still on the Clippers, and I still think the Clippers are the best team in the West right now, currently. Um, that's well, they, not gonna that's not gonna be popular with a lot of people, and I think a lot of people are fully back on the Lakers. But I also think that it's going, it's getting overblown that Portland's now coming back down to earth, and they weren't very good all year, and that's the team that they're beating up right now. Well, and I don't think you can understate how well Kawhi has been playing too. Kawhi, Kawhi is carrying them down the stretch. He's automatic. He's just he's just carrying. He's he's so ice cold down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Those he's big so, shots. It's just what he does. So I mean, I, I don't think we. You know, there's a lot of focus on how bad Paul George has been because he has been. And it's not like oh, it's a couple bad games. He has had four bad games in this series. He, he has not shown up to any game, and uh, he just seems listen. to be getting worse. And he's looks like he's letting everything affect him too. I've always thought he was kind of a mentally weak dude, and it's very clear that like, this is effective. He's responding to the haters on IG, then coming out and laying duds. You can see it in his eyes. He's blaming himself after losses. Like All of that is the signs of someone that has no confidence in what they're doing right now. But on the flip side, Kawhi has been nothing short of brilliant. Um, and still, Luka. It's, it's Luka, man. I mean, what, there's no answer for that. I have not seen. Before, right before I, we switch yeah, over there, before okay. we switch over there, any any closing thoughts on the Lakers? They're going to handle it in five. Um, I think. Do, well, how do you feel about what I said? Do you think that they just are automatically all of a sudden locked in, or this was always going to kind of be the deal? Yeah, I like think game five? one was just bad. They scored ninety three points. It was just a dud of a game. You know yeah, what I mean? No matter how you look at it, AD and LeBron both played well, but the rest of the team just literally it could have been you and me out there. Like no one showed up. Right. Um, after that, they've done nothing but handle business. I think the closest game they had was like an eight-point game. So like you said, they're beating up on a bad team like they're supposed to be. So you can't take a ton from it. But you could definitely take a lot from it if they weren't playing well these last three games. And they yeah. are playing well these last three games. So you can only assume that they're in stride. They're doing exactly what you want. And last night was like a game of a team that's like, all right, let's go ahead and let's finish this series next game. Let's get the fuck out of here. Maybe we'll get a couple extra days before we see – 
this Houston and Rockets thing, which might go seven. Yeah, and look, that has at least yeah, that has seven written all over. It. So seven written all it. over it. Yeah, that, that's that, a seven piece. Yeah, that's yeah, you know what I'm saying. Super fun. So <laughs> yeah. obviously, we'll be locked on the Lakers, but I think now everyone's like, "Oh, surefire, they're the they're the they're this and that, and they're the favorites for the title." I still think, still would like to see them, you know, in the next few rounds here. So we'll see. All right, yeah, let's move over to Luka Doncic and the Clippers map series. Um, let's talk Luka first, and then we'll get into kind of the Clippers' shortcomings and why this is close and why we think, you know, they've tailed off a little bit, essentially. Um, Luka Doncic is – he's a freak of nature, bro. I don't even understand it, honestly. Um, I've been talking to a lot of dudes that are super locked in at, uh, on hoops, training level, agents, everything. And they don't really have an explanation. They're like, this guy is unstoppable and we don't really know why. Like he doesn't do anything super ridiculous, but he's ridiculous in every part of the game. Like it's, it's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's he's it's, it's like it's is he amazing. a sharp shooter? He's not like a sharp not, shooter. He's, he's a really, really good shooter. Yeah, <laughs> is he athletic? No, yeah. he, he has that. You know what I think? He, you know what the best way I would put him as? And like you and I, we always talk about these dudes. He's got that Paul Pierce slash James Harden slash super slow deceleration. You think you should be able to stop it? Just put a hand up, but somehow he's finishing at some strange angle. Like he's not booming on anybody, right? Like, if you look at some of these, he's just so crafty by the basket. Like, he has that package that all these dudes want as far as being a finisher at the basket. You know what I mean? I will say the one thing that's elite, and like you said about him finishing at the basket, is his footwork is elite. Like, his fundamentals and his footwork is excellent. And I'm going to tell you this, too. He's – and and I'm going to say this. He is the best offensive player in the NBA right now. I KD is obviously in the discussion, but I think he cre- he also he scores so many buckets and creates so many buckets, and he leads the 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 best offense in the league. He's the best offensive player in the league for me. I don't. There's no. I'm, that's and I'm going to stand behind that statement. I mean, obviously, we know James. We know yeah. the rest of the scores in the league. This guy scores 30 and creates all their offense, and it's the best offense in the league. So I don't know what else he would need to do for to be the, the best offensive player in the league. Yeah, um, I'm not there yet, but I understand. It's not – normally – here's the listen, thing. Normally when you – no, no listen, 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 listen. Because <laughs> you know me. Normally if you were to say something like that about a second-year player in his first playoff run, I'd be all over you. Like, come on, bro. Like, this is four games, yada, yada, yada. You're not far off. Like, as far as his impact on the game offensively, what do you have, 43, 17, and 15? Like, yeah, I I get it 100%. I don't know if I'm ready. You brought up KD, and I just don't know if I'm ready to say that there is a better offensive player in the NBA. KD, to me, is create a player. Like, when you create a – I told you this. We create a player in 2K, you create a seven-foot shooting guard with 50, 40, 90 splits. That's KD. But but listen, bucket-wise – 
scoring wise, he's not better than KD. KD no is the best on the planet. Maybe yeah, for sure. Yeah. Over the overall, I mean, creating buckets is all. It's part of offense. Yeah. He runs their whole offense. They have the best offensive team in the league, and he's running the show and pouring in baskets. That's why I say that. No, if, I feel uh, you. Yeah. If I need a bucket on a possession, KD's going to score more buckets than Luka Doncic, but. Running the whole show and everything and creating and scoring buckets, I'm, this guy is unstoppable. You, and I want to say this. he He's way more, way stronger than I realized. He's very he's, strong. He was – He listen, bro, if you've been watching the games like we've been watching the games, there's been a couple possessions where he's moved Kawhi Leonard out of the yeah, way. Yeah, Absolutely. Like and no I'm one talking, moves and no one moves Kawhi Leonard. No one moves Kawhi Leonard out of the way. <laughs> I'm talking body, body, up fake, footwork, body, moving Kawhi out of the way to get where he needs to go. Um oh yeah, and mind you, what he's and this is supposed to be the best defensive player and uh the defensive team in the league as well. well he's real, been going ballistic. Real quick, one thing that I was thinking too, um, because I think that he's where he's really got James and he's such a better playmaker than James, and obviously James is the primary playmaker on Houston. Could you imagine Luca on the Rockets? Like, what type of numbers would Luca be putting up in D'Antoni Ball? Like, he's already putting up 30, 10, and 9. I mean, they're essentially running the same. They are running the same offense, yeah. You know what I mean? I I don't know if he's that much better of a playmaker than James because James is – they're essentially doing the same thing. Yeah. But – James is a better shooter. James is a better shooter, and James, for the last few years, has had – better players around him. Yeah. Like this guy is making Seth Curry look like Steph. Tim Hardaway Jr. When these dudes get hot, I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah, the on the offensive end, they've been incredible. Um now let's get into the Clippers and let's get into Luca and can Luca actually get this done? Um Clippers still a big favorite to win the series. Uh, they're like minus. They're like minus two sixty five. That they're, has they're, to be just on paper, though. Like that's to me. Like this is an even series. Well, well, okay. Well, and we were your, shitting on Dallas coming into the playoffs. Well, like, listen, okay, they don't play D. But to me, like this is not like a. This is a reset. It's zero zero on two teams that are even. Best of three. Well, listen. When but I'll, I'll say this, and I'll let I'll let you run with it. The Clippers, when they've been playing their best ball, and. I don't even want to say their best ball because Paul George has been a zero. When they've been playing solid and kind of seemed focused, they've been smashing Dallas. And then Dallas goes on these <clears throat> offensive runs that are something like I've never seen. They go on these Luca, these Luca runs, the fourth yeah, quarter where well, he's just yeah, like everything doing is things. falling. They're down yeah. twenty points, but it's like bucket here, bucket there. Uh yeah, it's ridiculous. So. Going into Game Five, you feel like it's even, or I feel because like because when it when it felt even last time, the Clippers came out and bust their ass. Yeah, because you, but no, but here's the thing to me, right? And this is why the bubble's interesting. Normally, it's like, okay, where is the next game played? Like that's what matters, right? Are they going to LA or are they going to Dallas? When you're playing on these neutral floors, I, I I don't think any of that matters. Like I really think that when this series, especially the way that this one has looked, is at 2-2, like this is a dead even series with me. 
The only advantage is LA has better players, but you've literally taken out one of their best players. He's completely ineffective. And we can't, we can no longer assume that Paul George is going to show up. Right. After these last four games, we can't just be like, oh, he's in a funk, but he's going to break out. Like the way he what was he two for 17, three for 17. Um, it's, it's, the, you're I'll really be- eliminating him at this point. Right. And if Pat Bev doesn't play, that's another guy that they're down. So, um, yeah, I, I think that if I'm the Clippers, if I'm in that locker room, you can probably feel it. They're worried because they have zero answer for Luka Doncic. You have two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA and you have zero answer for Luka. But they're not sticking him. What what is this and what is that about? Don't you go get some of the best wing defenders in the to world? Shut down Luka Doncic? Yeah. To shut down Luka Doncic? Yeah. And then he they they're all all they they just constantly switch off. I, I don't understand that. By get the way. beat by get beat by Hardaway and Maxi Kleber. That's fine. You know what I mean? But don't let right. Doncic just go off and do whatever he wants to. But yeah, I and, don't think Doc has done a great job coaching this series, which is surprising. Uh, I I thought he's a solid coach. I um, agree. Yeah, I don't think he's done a very good job coaching this series. I'll, I'll give you two massive points that I think Doc m- messed up in a major way in the last game. The third quarter, they go on an insane run. It's like 18-0 run. He refused to call a timeout. Just buckets were pouring in. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I could tell, and they were talking about it on the broadcast, they were like, he was trying to make them – he. Doc was trying to make the clips just crawl out, like claw out of it by themselves. You tried to do the Phil Jackson. Yeah, but bruh, forget about that, bro. This guy's hot. Y'all were up, y'all were up twenty points, and you just let it just dwindle away just to to kind of prove a point. And maybe, obviously, Doc is Doc's got a chip. Doc is Doc, and he thinks that they'll be able to learn from that later on down the road in the playoffs. But there might not be no down the road. Man, you, you could. You could have used that W to go up three one, and now yeah. it's it's you, you man. You got to kill these boys while they're down. Uh, but Paul George, yeah, three for fourteen, one of seven. Terrible. And he took a shot in overtime where I was disgusted. I couldn't believe he <laughs> took it. He he like caught a ball, two dribbles, like pumped, pumped, and pulled up. And I'm like, dog, you haven't hit that shot in literally a week. Yeah, it's and it's overtime. Like Dude, the, they're, 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 the 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 social media has taken permanent residence in his head. Like you yeah, can he, tell, he he's turned off the IG comments. Yeah, and, he's uh, he's just not there, bro. Yeah, so it um, it's gonna be interesting going forward what uh what he does and because he he's gonna show up, but you can't count on it. Like yeah. you can count on Kawhi to show up. Lou will every game. You Lou will was thirteen of twenty. Last fire. Um, so yeah, you could count on him to to show up, but he's a uh, Paul George is a question mark now. Um, we'll leave that there. Before we get to our guy Matt Peck, Bulls Outsiders, Locked On Bulls podcast, let's touch on the Bucks Heat really quick and um, the Celtics Raptors. What are you looking from them, and who do you? Who's your where, where's your lean at? Um, Wait, let me ref, let me yeah. let's start with Bucks Heat. Do you really believe, honestly, that the Heat can give the Bucks problems? Like a lot of people seem to to think. Uh, man, I don't I don't love what I've seen. I mean, you want to talk about beating up on shitty teams? Orlando is it? But um, yeah, I don't love what I've seen from Milwaukee. Like I think we talked about it all regular season. 
They were in crazy rhythm in the regular season. Coming out every game, beating people by 15 to 20 points. It was automatic. Like, they were on fire. They were just rolling. Since they've had the break and gotten back in the bubble, they've looked disjointed. They haven't looked like the same squad. Um, With that being said, they're still the best team in the NBA overall. Um, And I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm I'm going with Milwaukee. If you had to put a gun to my head, it's Milwaukee, but I think Miami can absolutely give them a tough series. Like, I really think Miami can give them a tough series, especially if Jimmy's healthy, especially with that system, especially with Spolster versus Budenholder. Like, again, we're in the playoffs. Coaching matchups matter. Spo is a 10 times better coach than Bud. Um, And I just think that uh, Miami will give them problems, and I don't think anybody should write off Miami. Where are you at with it? Man, I um, if I have to pick who's gonna win the series, I'm and no limit with... heroes available. Yo, no limit's been going. <laughs> no limit's a problem, <laughs> dog. I try yeah, to no, tell you, no limit a problem. Um, the Bucks. I don't know if they're just not taking the Magic seriously or what, but the Magic have been like playing hard and giving them. I know they've been losing the last few games by 12, 13, 14 points, but they've still been pushing these guys late to where they've – I think they, it was like an eight-point game in the fourth, six-point game. Team. They got a whole bunch of confident guys. Yeah. Like you, can't, you can't tell Terrence Ross, Terrence Ross he doesn't belong. Like, you know what I'm saying? Dudes at like all. that. Yeah, like not at all. Evan Fournier, he's like, oh, Luca who? I'm the best European player. So, Evan <laughs> Fournier. <laughs> Um, I think it's going to be massive that Jimmy gets back healthy. Yeah, obviously he's um, ready, and he's a hundred percent. Um, can they win? The coaching matchup is what gets me because I do not like Boots and Holder as a coach. Why? I his adjustment game is his is rough. He's a front runner because he's a front runner. I think he's a front-running coach. Like he has great regular seasons. You just called it. His adjustment game is very rough. It they, is real. They, it is really bad. They blow some leads in the second half, like I've never seen. Um, and I also think, and this isn't really his problem, but you got a team that's used to playing most of their guys like 28, 29 minutes, right? Because they were just smacking so many people throughout the regular season, and that's not necessarily going to be the case going forward. So what's that look like? That's an adjustment that he's going to have to make, and I don't necessarily trust him to make it. The other thing is, you saw what happened when Milwaukee Milwaukee last year went up against a defensive-minded coach that can draw up good schemes, right? They ran into the buzzsaw that is Nick Nurse, and he took he, – he, he not eliminated Giannis, but he neutralized Giannis, right? Spolster can do the same thing, and he's got the horses to do it. He's got Jimmy Butler. He's got Andre Iguodala. He's got Bam Adebayo. Those guys play D. They play hard. They play with heart. They're well-coached. They're well-disciplined. Whiteside um, white got six fouls. Yeah. Whiteside. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Whiteside's yeah, been Portland, but I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, wait, hold up. But yeah, yeah. no, but Spolster is a great defensive coach. Like, you remember those Miami days? That's what he does. He draws up defensive schemes and he's been doing his thing there for a while. So, I think that if the Bucks fall to like a 0 1, obviously, like a 0 2 is a big problem, but I think the Bucks need to win game one and they need to win it, win it with, with authority. Yeah, and what I meant by Whiteside has six fouls is Miami has bodies, bodies. that they can send at Giannis to to and they got your boy trouble. Duncan. 
Duncan Duncan. is a problem. (laughs) Duncan the Torch. Duncan, Tyler Hero. They got Kendrick Nunn, the Dragon. Dragon's just playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, it's it's very real. And uh, to close it, before we bring Peck on, the outside of the conference finals, for me, I think this Raptors-Celtics series is going to be insane. Um, yeah, I think I'm, it's going to be a lot of high-level basketball. Going very high-level basketball. I, wanna, I think that's the best way to put it. Let me give a quick shout-out to the Boston Celtics. I killed them all year last year. I killed Brad Stevens all year last year. I think it was the curse of Kyrie. They got rid of him, and that team is balling. Like, I, I love I love their team. Someone tried to tell me the other day that Hayward is a big loss for them. I don't think so. I think when you take Hayward off the floor, it allows Tatum to do his thing. That's less more shots for Tatum, and more shots for Tatum for me is what you need. Yeah, give him all the shots. He all needs. the shots. Remember, but I told he, you about Tatum day one. It's my guy. Been rocking in the Jason Tatum. Yeah, he uh, he's been a problem. Jalen really Brown good. has been very very good. They and this is the thing about that that matchup is obviously Toronto's tested title. Um, this is the Celtics' second year. You know. Tatum's a little older, Brown's older, and they're going to have a real – they've they've tasted the playoffs. And now yeah, – they're, they're more mature real. players. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Let's bring on the boy. Bulls Outsiders, NBA, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, Locked on Bulls podcast host. Our guy, Matt Peck. What's up, gentlemen? How we doing? What's Dude, going on? Thank you for hopping on. Greatly appreciate it. Um, I know it's me. early in the morning. Yeah, of course, man. You know, anytime we could talk hoops with another Chicago guy that loves hoops, um, that's what we'd like to do. How you doing? I'm great, man. I'm loving this. I like it feels like a combination of NBA playoffs and March Madness. Like I was so disappointed when March Madness was canceled. Obviously, it was canceled for the right reasons, but those first few days of the tourney where you just watch basketball from like 10 a.m. until midnight, nonstop. Sometimes you're flipping between three or four different games. It's awesome. And I feel like this bubble playoffs is like a, a somewhat mini condensed version of that, especially this first round, which is why I, I wasn't surprised to see a couple of sweeps in the East in those first round matchups. But now I'm disappointed because I look at the schedule today. And I'm like, oh, man, we only got two games. instead of four. <laughs> like, that sucks. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely starting to wind down. But no, we were just talking about like the last couple of weeks, really since they got in the bubble and started playing all these games. And it's been like this nonstop, just marathon of NBA basketball played on all these courts. And just once one game ends, the next one starts every single day from 12 to 8 o'clock. Just, yeah, it's it's been absolutely crazy. Bulls sitting at home with the crib watching it, though. They got all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we... That's why we got mad on. We wanted to talk some Bulls. I know uh, me and Quick, before uh, you hopped on, we were talking. And um, Boylan's finally gone. We obviously know that. Yes, yes, My yes, God. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Massive. Um, I was listening to uh, the most recent Locked on Bulls pop. Make sure you guys subscribe. Check that out. Matt and those guys do a great job. Um, listen, it's the first thing everybody does when we fire the coaches, who's the next coach? Who are we going to get? Who's in the pipeline? Like that stuff doesn't even, I don't even think about that stuff anymore. I'm more focused on what type of coach do we need? And I wanted to get your opinion on that. What type of coach 
do the Bulls need? Because I know people like to throw out flashy names and do all this other stuff and then just make stuff up like, yeah, we'll go get Calipari and like shit like that, right? <laughs> but like, what do the Bulls need at this point in time with the new front office, where we're at with the roster? What type of coach do we need? Um, I think it's it's tricky because the, the big question that, that I think the, the fan base is debating right now is, do you want a coach who has head coaching experience already so they can come in and sort of immediately have some level of respect and authority because everybody on this fairly young roster will say, okay, well, this person has coached at the NBA level before. Or do you want to take a chance on somebody who has not proven it yet in that main chair, um, in the head coach's chair, but has a really strong resume and comes from a really strong coaching tree, like some of these names that we're hearing, whether it's Udoka or um, you know, Wes Unseld or, or Steven Silas or any of these people. Um, the the coaching trees, I think, are important, but you don't want to put too much stock into that because it's like technically Jim Boylan was in the Greg Popovich coaching tree. Bulls fans know that because he would never <laughs> I was say he, he let us know a lot, he right? Let us know. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I worked with Greg Popovich. <laughs> Have you heard of Greg Popovich? Um, so look, like I, I right now, I, I know that the main name that we're hearing as far as someone who has head coaching experience is Kenny Atkinson. I would be fine if that's the route that AK decided to go. He certainly proved a lot with, with developing that young Brooklyn Nets team from basically scraps into a playoff contender before KD and Kyrie arrived. So he deserves some credit for that. It's mostly about a coach who can develop talent um, and whoever AK sees is the best fit to do that. Because when you think about the Bulls lack of flexibility this off season, this roster is going to look very similar to what we just saw. Um, you're going to add a piece or two in the draft. You might have like one addition with the mid-level exception contract you could throw out there to a, a borderline mid-tier free agent. Other than that, it's going to look the same. So if the team's going to get better this next season, it's going to be about improving the guys you already have. And that is, I think, going to be key because that's the one thing that Jim Boyle improved without a doubt is that he failed at developing the young talent on the roster. So in regards to the roster, you, you you seem pretty convinced that it is going to look the same. Do you not foresee any big changes uh, as far as any of our bigger pieces or maybe finally getting rid of Otto Porter Jr. or something like that? <laughs> how do you how do you trade that guy? I'm dude's clearly going to opt into his twenty eight and a half million dollar player option uh, in uh, let's see about a few hours from now. Um, I I mean I think and and again this is just some just uh, an educated guess from someone who has studied AK's history as soon as we hired the guy and look at his track record of transactions and how he built that Denver team. I would be surprised to see him trade any of the main pieces. And when I say main pieces, I'm talking Zach Wendell Lowry and Kobe, um, the, the young core before he gets a chance to evaluate them in a system that is not run. And by run, I meant sinking by the hands, <laughs> by the hands of Jim Boylan. Because you know, we heard him and Eversley say, we'd like to know what the hell happened to Lowry Markkinen, a player who in his second NBA season was averaging nearly a 20 and 10. He was like 19 and 9 his second year. This year, flatlined to Jim Boylan's offense. Wendell Carter, a ghost in Jim Boylan's offense. Zach and Kobe showed a little bit of chemistry together towards the end of the season when Jim finally let Kobe run with Zach a little bit more instead of just forcing Kobe to play with nothing but scrubs in the second unit. I think they're going to take some time and this upcoming season t 
to evaluate the chemistry or lack thereof of all of these pieces on the roster right now. And then when you see this summer or whatever, the fall offseason part of the calendar NBA calendar year in 2021 roll around when there are also a bunch of big free agents on the block, that's when I think you see AK swing for the fences. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> so if, if you with the new coach, then if there's going to be much change in the roster, I know last year they tried to tease us with a lot of this playoff talk before the season started. You had a lot of fans saying the playoff were we were obviously like not a chance. No. Um, but in that year one for that new coach, what kind of expectations are they going to have? I mean, are they going to come in knowing like, hey, this is a 30 win roster. We just want you to develop like what kind of benchmarks are they looking for in a new coach? Well, I mean, I would agree with you. I looked at the roster and the head coach at the beginning of this past season and said, ain't no way they're making the playoffs. Yeah, every chance. every single what, variable would what have about to fall what about their what about Sadarowski? Y'all didn't think he was going to go crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I thought Sato was a good addition as far as like a modest free agent mm-hmm. signing. Uh, and I like I I would be completely honest, and I know it wasn't a popular decision, and it certainly was less and less popular the more Kobe played. I thought Sato should have been the starting point guard out of the gate, based on what I saw him do uh, before he came to Chicago. Just like a low efficiency, or I mean, a high efficiency, low usage player who could fit well with Zach and Lowry, who needed the ball. Um, he certainly underwhelmed in his first season. Um, but as far as the expectations. It, it, it was a mistake from day one for John Paxson to kind of flirt with the word playoffs and then right there next to him, like flying right by his side, Jim Boylan was like, no, fuck maybe. We're definitely making the playoffs. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, God. As soon yeah. as I saw that, you know, media day press conference, I was like, oh, y'all are in trouble. Ain't no, because as soon as the Bulls fan base starts seeing the front office or the coach or whomever moving the goalposts, we immediately call them out on it. And that's why I didn't understand why they did that. Like they started, they were teasing it all before the season and everything. It got the fans all excited. Twitter's going crazy. Games into the season, we blew that fourth quarter lead to the Lakers, and I was like, "Season's over. Season's over." Well, (laughs) I'll I'll play devil's advocate for you guys. It's because in that same breath that we will call you uh, out on moving the goalposts, you also can't tell us that we're rebuilding and we're going to win 20 games for the, what, the third year in a row, right? So it's right, like, yeah. we have to fucking say something. So like, let's <laughs> so just lie. So like, <laughs> I mean, well, well, I mean, hey, we're in the East. Maybe we can actually try to nip into the eight, right? So I think right. that's what they were trying to go after. But we- look, I, like, and it's it's not very nice, but I was ex- I was hoping that they would set, set that as a goal because I thought third year of a rebuild – Zach, Lowry, Wendell, each right. another year with more experience and hopefully healthy. That should have been their goal. And as right. you said, especially in a weak Easter conference, that absolutely should have been the goal. Right. Just because I'm a cynical asshole who didn't see all the pieces coming together and making a playoff run right. happen doesn't mean that that's not a goal that they should set. And as far as what the new regime might be uh, expecting and wanting to see from the 2021 season, you kind of already got a hint at it when AK said – this collection of talented pieces is too talented of a pool of players to do as poorly as they did as a team. When he was talking about their win loss record, he was like, I, I see more talent here than the amount of wins that they got this season, which to me was like, that's, that's blaming the coach. Right. If you are, if you have this much talent and have this many wins compared to this much talent, that's blaming the coach. So, Maybe AK does see this as I was a, gonna say is the next coach then looking the at that and being like, okay, you know, I gotta win a few more games than they did last year. But I, I just well, wonder if they're looking at it more from like a player development thing 
or a win loss. This is not a playoff team next year either. So, but, I mean, honestly, like if if their coach instead of Jim Boyle in this past season, the coach was a golden retriever licking an ice cream cone, the Bulls would have had like eight more wins. <laughs> like, he yeah. single handedly cost them at like I'm you know one to, like six that I can remember off the top of my head. Right. It's like if Jim Boylan doesn't do these things, the Bulls win the game. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about this number four pick. So I, I'm gonna. I'm, I was watching the lottery, and I first off, I was just so sick that the Warriors were even in this discussion. Just, that's, it just it just Brandon, made me Brandon angry. Was just chilling, like yeah, this is all good. It doesn't yeah. matter where we land. <laughs> I, I was like. These guys are going to land the fucking first pick, no doubt. Like, I was surefire they were going to get the first pick. Um, They end up getting two, which is massive for them. Um, You want to talk about being nimble? Like, the Golden State Warriors can do a lot, a lot of things in the two slot. Um, Matt, give me your thoughts on the fourth pick. Um, What should they do with it? I know I when I, I heard you on the Locked On say – a lot of cynical Bulls fans are like, "Of course, we got four. It's a three. It's a three-player draft." Right. Um, the first thing I said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we could we could do some things, and there's some foreign talent that, like it or not, the way Lucas playing that that brings their draft stock up, regardless, no matter what happens. Um, just out of pure hype in itself. What should right. they do with the four? What do you think? And um. What do they need? What would complement the the guys on the roster? Well, look, I mean, I know a lot of Bulls fans were hoping to get lucky, like number one lucky, because they really want LaMelo Ball. And people are, you know, talking about LaMelo going certainly top two, if not number one overall. So the Bulls at four, I hear some people say, well, would you be willing to trade up? And what would you be willing to let go to trade up to get LaMelo? I, I see LaMelo's skills as a passer and a playmaker, and he's got a lot of upside. I do worry about his shot. Um, he, his, his mechanics are weird. I think he's got a really low release point. I think he's going to get blocked a lot in this first few years in the NBA because of his uh, his shot mechanics. But he does have the, – the greatest element to his skill is what the Bulls are sorely lacking, which is playmaking on this roster. So I get the love for LaMelo there. But – do I think he's worth trading up for and sacrificing future assets, especially now that we have this new regime running running things? No. If if AK were to make a move on draft night, I would much rather see him trade down in this draft to try and accumulate an extra piece, take two swings in what people are widely considering a pretty weak class instead of one in the first round. If, let's say, it goes chalk, one, two, and three, and LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman are the first three to go, then you're probably looking at a decision between – the kid from Israel, Denny of Deja, or I would hope that they are looking closely at that kid uh, from Auburn, Isaac Okoro. I really like his potential as a one through four defensive wing in the NBA. His offense needs a lot of work, but honestly, so does Denny's. So that's, I think, where a lot of the fan base is kind of debating right now. If chalk one, two, three, who do you pick at four? Do you do you take a swing on, on the Euro, like you were saying with Denny, or do you go with uh, somebody – um, from you know a, a more normalized like U.S. blue chip kind of program like that. So here's my question, and Sean, you kind of you you put this in your question, and I'm just kind of wondering why why we're even talking like this. Why does fit matter? 
Like, why are we talking about drafting who's going to fit the best with this current roster when we're talking about a 25-30 win roster that we don't really know what it is yet, right? Kind of like the Bears a few years ago. Like, my position is take the best player available. Like, we should not be saying, like, oh, who's going to fit the best with Laurie and Wendell in a couple years because we still don't know what those guys are. We don't know if this is going to be our roster going forward. I would hate for the Bulls to draft someone based off fit and then miss a guy. You know who drafted based off fit? The Sacramento Kings when they took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. Right? They're like, oh, well, Luka Doncic won't fit with De'Aaron Fox, and then look what happens, right? When you're not a good team, you shouldn't be worried about fit. You should be collecting talent and figuring it out later. It was only a matter of time before that decision got Vladi Divac ousted, and that happened, what, like four or five days ago? It literally just happened. Yeah, he couldn't say shit when the boss called him in, like, hey, why did you take Bagley over Luka? He's like, I don't know. Well, you know what? The the Bulls aren't much better What we heard secondhand was Gar Foreman scouted Luca and was like, meh, not that impressed. So Wow. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, do you think that they should be drafting for fit or should we really no. be looking at the, the most talented guy? No, I think you should when you're in these dire straits that this rebuild is in right now. Absolutely just take best available talent. Um, and maybe that is – Say somebody in the top three, for whatever reason, decides that Wiseman is a risk or they they he's not a good fit. That's for what where they I was need. going towards. Yeah. And, and Wiseman falls to four. The Bulls are on the clock. Wiseman's on the board. Even though you have this logjam in the front court with Lowry and Wendell, Wendell saying he's he'd rather play the four than the five. You got the second round pick Gafford who impressed with the minutes he got his rookie year. Do you want to you know throw Wiseman at that situation and figure out how you're going to make those puzzle pieces fit? Based on everything we've heard AK say so far, if if he deems Wiseman to be the best available talent at four, he'll take him, regardless of fit. So I think that's the right call. What, whatever AK wants to do, what, whoever AK deems to be the best talent when he is on the clock, take that player regardless of fit. Because as you said, it's not like you're trying to fit pieces around your already established pieces when you're a team that just finished 20 games under 500. <laughs> I, no, I think those are great points. And I think... Uh... Something that needs to be stated is that that's what Karnasovic does. Go look at Denver. Let him pick whoever he wants to pick. Yeah. And if he thinks that he can make him into an NBA player, he's he has the proven track record that he could do that. I'll yeah. say this. Um, I want nothing to do with Wiseman. You've been yeah. anti-Wiseman forever. Why? I want I want nothing to do is with Wiseman. Is it his Wiseman. game or is I it him? Think, uh, no, no. It's never the person. Or, well, Sometimes it is, but no, not in this case. <laughs> not in this case. It's, uh, he had it's sex with my mama. Yeah, like, no, there's sometimes the, the guy is a clown. Uh, but no, I don't get that from him. I don't, obviously don't know him, but I think his game, listen, I think a lot of the young guys coming into the league, the knock is always their offensive end and how they can improve and, you know, become more offensively polished and less athletic and just t- a talented talented type offensive guy. I think Wiseman offense is is below that, and he would struggle in this new type of NBA where people were the, the, the Rockets shot. I know the Rockets are the Rockets, but we're, dude, these guys are pushing 60 triples in, in a playoff game. Like, that's insane. Yeah. So I, I want nothing to do with Wiseman. I don't need an, a defensive anchor and where the NBA is going. And I think that's what he's going to become in the NBA. Like, I think, I think you know, you know why Anthony Davis is such a beast. And like, that's what people are looking for is because this guy's a seven, one guard. Like you I don't right. care what you call yeah. Anthony Davis. He's right. a, a, a pure face up guard right. that plays defense and can do whatever you need to be done. 
Yeah. James Watch, Wiseman like is watching not that game three Lakers Blazers when AD kind of took over down the stretch and you saw, yeah, you know, he, he's facing guys up. He's crossing them over and hitting like step back threes and step backs and, and step back threes and stuff. Yeah. It's insane. <clears throat> I, I see your point about the, like whether or not there is a need for like that defensive anchor in today's NBA. And you could agree. And again, this goes back to draft for fit, draft for need, whatever, um, or, or best available. The Bulls kind of have one in Wendell. I know he's a little bit undersized for the NBA as far as the center position. I know he sees himself more as a four, but in in Jim Boylan's ridiculous trap heavy defense that we were for that was shoved down the fans' throat all season long, where he was like, Well, look how many steals we have, and look, look how many turnovers we're forcing. It was like, What how many games have you won, dipshit? Yeah. <laughs> um, Wendell yeah. guarded four guys on every defensive possession. His his basketball IQ and his length allowed him to be a defensive anchor, and you saw the Bulls' defense just drown when he got hurt. I don't think Wiseman necessarily has a higher ceiling as a, as far as defensive anchors go than Wendell Carter Jr. When I you know people, I've heard some people talk about like, would you be willing to swap out Wendell and trade down or or trade a pick swap picks? if it meant getting Wiseman. And to me, I'm like, I, I don't. Think yeah, I wouldn't Wiseman's go that far. That. I don't think Wiseman's worth that. And the other thing to me about Wiseman that you worry about is sample size. Like, yes, by all metrics, this dude looks like an NBA player. But what did we see? Two games? Three Two games? games? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's hard to swing on that. So, yeah. Have you have you gotten a chance to look? I don't know too much about the Israeli guy. Like, is have you gotten a chance to look at him? Like, what are we looking at with this type of dude? Is he a massive project or is he like a Luca where he comes in and obviously isn't like transcendent like Luca, but is available right. to play NBA minutes right away? I th- I think he is certainly he's more of a project than Luca. He's not going <laughs> to come in and and I would not get well. This is a week a week draft class, so you never know. I was I was going to say I wouldn't guess that he wins Rookie of the Year. It certainly. It depends on where he ends up and how many minutes he's getting. But do I see like people making a Luca comp to me are just lazy. It's like, oh hey, here's this guy from this part of the globe, uh, and he's he, like he likes to pass and he likes to play. That's the one thing that I think might intrigue AK is that the tape I've watched of Denny definitely looks like a player who plays AK kind of basketball as far as what we've heard from AK what we see with the Denver Nuggets um a lot of passing a lot of ball movement um and I I, I think he could be good I think he could be good do I think he has star potential no I I think he could be a good role player on a good team um and to me the thing I worry about mostly with him is his shot um I mean, he runs the floor really well for a guy his size. It's the worst thing to but, hear in 2020 NBA. But exactly. <laughs> and you're, like, you're assuming like, oh, he's he's like a stretch big from Europe. Like he's got a wicked three, right? And you're like, actually, yeah. no. Like he shot barely over 30% from the three-point line in his games this past season. And the thing that worries me is the correlation between the three-point shooting and the free throw line. Because – if you just haven't built out your range for the three-point line yet, but you have decent mechanics, you got a decent form, you can stretch that out and you can find yourself a competent three-point shot as your NBA career progresses. He sh- he didn't even shoot. He shot like 60% from the free-throw line. That is a kind of a red flag to me. You say he's Ben Simmons. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear all these Bulls fans on Twitter right now being like, "Okay, what what package we can, can we put together for Simmons?" Because clearly the Sixers. That's, are yo, that's, up, that's our like, boy Edder is all about the, the trade for I'm Ben like, Simmons. The Ben Simmons packages now. <laughs> really? I know we lack playmaking, so See, let's sacrifice everything we have to get a playmaker and then have no shooters. That's I'm not. I'm not. I'm still not out. I'm still on Simmons Island heavy. Like I, I don't. I, I think the three point thing to me is crazy, and I just don't think he's had the right coach that's going to force him to shoot that. But I would still. He's just so intriguing. I could tell you're not, but he, he's so intriguing to me still. Uh, he he is a great player with one gigantic flaw, and like you said just a moment ago when we were talking about Denny. It's the, the, it's the, the one flaw you don't want in the NBA right now. True. Like, Fair enough. Like, that's – there are people living by <laughs> having one skill, and that's to be able to shoot it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the one thing you do <laughs> Kyle Korver is still in the league. And will be. And will be. <laughs> and so will that, be. And will be. I think he had 14 points in the Bucks win yesterday. Sean's favorite player is uh, is Davis Bertans, and that Dude, guy's got tw- 25 years in the league. Easy. <laughs> Bertans will be in the league, yeah, for he's, a long time. He's, he's about to be the highest paid guy in his free agent class. <laughs> is Bertans a free agent? Uh, he's about to be, I think. Oh, wow. I think that's yeah, why he, he opted out of, of the bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the Wizards going to make a playoff run? Like, no. Too much money yeah. to get. Let me ask you guys this really quick before we let Matt uh, go. Because I, I get this feeling sometimes when I'm watching. Do you do you feel like at least quarters one through three, like these are just pickup games now? Like there's no structure to anything. Everyone is just getting the ball off the rim, coming down, firing three-pointers. Like um, it, it, it makes me a little – I don't want to say sad – but it's – I wish there was more more to it. Am I, am I off base there? I don't think so. I mean, I think you're just seeing a lot of offense in these games. Yeah. Um, these, these players all had a really big pause, and they had a, basically a mini camp once they got to the bubble where they got a couple of practices, tried to get their win back, but – um, I mean, you saw it. Uh, they were Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy were hammering the Lakers transition defense the other night. Not not the their their game uh, their game four win, but their game three win, where it was like, and, and the the Blazers didn't even convert on the transition opportunity. But it was like LeBron, AD, and I think KCP were like it was like ten seconds on the Blazers shot clock, and the three of them hadn't even crossed to that defensive side of the court yet. So maybe some of it is conditioning, and some of these guys are still not fully. You know, they don't have their full win behind them. They don't have their picking their spots. Yeah, picking their spots because it's also like it's it's ridiculous. We saw the Raptors put up what one fifty in regulation a few days ago. Yeah, yeah. hundred a hundred of those one fifty came from their bench. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? That's what I mean. Right? Maybe we're getting some lazy defense, but we're also, I think, getting some of the most well played basketball, especially offensively. We've ever seen these guys are in the bubble. All they're thinking about is basketball right now. No distractions, no travel, no outside noise. They're just they're just playing basketball every day. And it's yeah. like you you not only see stars being stars, but you see these role players really comfortable in what they're doing. 
So if you forget how good some of these dudes actually are, like, you know, whether it be your, your, your TJ Warrens or your random guys in the bubble oh, who are just man. putting up crazy numbers. Yeah. Um, just in general, you do forget how good some of these dudes are. And like, yeah, you get that distraction out there. Like, that's why I said, watch out for Melo come playoff time, man. Hey, real quick, before we let you go, though, I want to give you one question that I know you probably don't get a lot, but I think this is how we originally started interacting. Oh, my God. Was on some Mitch Trubisky shit. <laughs> but I'm not going to hold you to that comment because I think the story played itself out for the rest of the season. So I, I think oh, we man. already know where we are. But just real yeah. quick, for the upcoming season, uh, we'll switch it to Bears real quick. Obviously, a lot of talk this week about how Trubisky has looked better in camp than Nick Foles. Um, you as a former Mitch guy. Hey, hey, you can't <laughs> what put you, that label on me. What do you what do you want to see week one from the Bears quarterback position? Are, are you are you are you out on Mitch or is it is it time for Foles? Where are you at? Okay, first of all, let's <laughs> let's clear let's clear up a misconception. I have never been a Mitch guy. I was trying to yeah. a <laughs> some some level of optimism coming into last season saying we we took this guy two overall he's had a rocky up and down start to his nfl career i'm going to try to have faith in the fact that he's got some decent weapons around him now and i'm hoping he'll get better i was wrong i i like even having the hope that he got better but based on what we saw from mitch last season i was dead wrong and i think i just didn't want to be admitting to myself that early that the bulls blew the draft that badly but you look at all of the other qbs that were taken in that draft behind mitch some well behind mitch and you think the bears could not have screwed the pooch harder than they did with that selection so i mean wh what do i want to see this season and you know theoretically we're hearing oh mitch looks great didn't we also just hear that he like took a sack on a goal-to-go situation in practice the other day by running out of bounds backwards. Like I didn't I, hear that, but that sounds about right. Yeah. Yes, no, yeah. that's true. That, that, that was true. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing that I didn't that's hear the a, I didn't hear the backwards part, but he was a cute they had him doing goal line situational stuff and it was they were on the one yard line and instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, he ran out of bounds. Right. So like I mean th in this year is four. the least this is, <laughs> This yeah. is the least exciting quarterback competition I think I can recall in a long time with the I mean it's I guess it's better than a rookie Mitch Trubisky and Mike Glennon Mike going Glennon. at it at training camp yeah. but not much Nick yeah. Foles yes Super Bowl winning quarterback Carson Wentz goes down he becomes the hero that nobody anticipated in Philly it's a great story did you see him play in Jacksonville it was not that encouraging so yeah, God I it's by Minshew. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I just hope that what week one, I don't care who wins the starting quarterback job. I still ideally would like it to be Mitch if he just somehow figures it out and it just took I'm, a while. I'm I'm not I'm not putting my eggs in that basket. I'm just saying that would be nice if he's the one who actually ends up winning because Nick Foles feels like a stopgap and Mitch is the guy that theoretically we were supposed to develop into our franchise quarterback. I, if I never see Mr. Trubisky throw a pass as a Chicago Bear again, and we don't have preseason this year, so hopefully I won't have to, um, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think to close it out, I think I've said this multiple times. Once you give up draft capital to go get another guy and then pay him quite a bit of money, then that's your quarterback. I don't. You don't you don't go 
trade for a backup quarterback. So I don't. That's that's where I'm at with it. Right. How, how many million guaranteed did they give Mike Glennon for that for that season yeah. of misery? Six, Sixteen, I believe. Oh my God, 16, yeah. six, 16 million dollars spent. So we'll see. And you know, Foles also has a, a great level of familiarity with Nagy's offensive system. So I, I would not be surprised to see Foles win the job. I would be curious to know if Nagy is getting any kind of whispers of instruction from higher ups about like, gee, it would be great if Mitch won the quarterback competition. Right. Uh, in a wink, right. a real hard wink. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Ryan Pace, like my job depends on like, this. Yeah. Like now that the Bulls shoved John Paxson in a closet and kicked Gar out of town, unquestionably Ryan Pace has the hottest managerial seat in Chicago right now based on that tr- tr- Mitch Trubisky no decision. No question about no, and yeah, no doubt about Without that. Doubt. Matt Peck, Locked On Bulls podcast host. I appreciate you joining us, my man. Thanks a lot, Doc. John, Nick, thanks so much for having me, guys. Happy to come talk. on anytime. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. Thanks for having me. So, the Bulls got a lot of options. It's nice to see them with the fourth pick. I think Matt gave some good insight on kind of service and kind of what he wants to do. Um, I think all in all, at the end of the day, we just have to trust in what Connor service is going to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good to hear that he had kind of researched him a little bit and looked at his moves. Right. Like whoever he picks, then that's who, who we rock with and we, we can leave it there. Um, that's it for no catch up, man. I'm live in Vegas. Big Nick, the quicks at the crib. Um, tons of hoops today. I'm a, we'll be we'll be tweeting. We'll be talking about uh, Mavs clips. I got to get some picks. I got to get back on track out here. I'm gonna have to hit quick for the picks. Um, for Big Nick the Quick, I am your host Sean Little. No catch up sports talk via Chicago. Make sure you subscribe everywhere. Lock in iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. Tell the homie.